Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 293 being recorded on Thursday, June 30th, 2022. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, this is a, uh, in startup land, it's like a triple witching. We have the end of the month. The end of the quarter and the end of the first half. So it's a it's a big day to be making sure you're hitting your revenue. Uh, so that's what I've been doing today. How has your summer been? Uh, less Excel-y than yours, it sounds like. Uh, oh, I've seen you when that uh, Department of Commerce data comes out. So I know, but I, I I like to do that in Tableau. It's not really Excel. Yeah, true. Um, I don't know. Maybe I feel like uh, we should uh, move it to like Python or R or something more more hip for the geeky kids. Yeah, uh, but I am I'm having a great summer. Uh, there's been plenty of uh, new Avengers and Star Wars content on, and uh, uh, it's fun to see some people in person. There've been a few more in person events. I'm a little stressed tonight though. This is a big day for listeners. This is being recorded on on June thirtieth. And uh, Twitter is sunsetting my Twitter client that I use numerous times a day tonight. So it's it's possible that a lot of people that are used to getting spammed all day by me on Twitter are going to uh, go into withdrawal tomorrow. Oh, no. You're going to have to use the, the app like the rest of us mere citizens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the neophytes. I'll have to uh, jump in with the unwashed masses and the the vanilla Twitter client or, or some other third-party client. If any listeners have a personal favorite, I'm open to suggestions. Yeah. They're uh, not a lot of good ones. Whatever you do, don't sign up for that paid service because it just makes your tweets take 10 times longer to go up. <laughs> it's like the opposite of a feature. Yeah. doesn't sound that appealing. It's supposed to keep you from drunk tweeting or something, but then like you just kind of forget that they're all queued up out there waiting. My best tweets are the ill-advised ones. Yeah. Yeah. Your best ones are grumpy, grumpy old Jason ones where you're like, Arr, kids in the lawn. They get the most interaction. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show without some Amazon news. Amazon news. Your margin is their opportunity. Yeah, there's a lot going on at Amazon. Um, one of the, you know, if, if you kind of remember back in our Q2 2022 recap from their earnings, they talked a lot about how they had overbuilt their capacity for warehouses. And that's the first time they've done that since, oh, I don't know, 1995. And um, that was just like a line in an earnings call. Well, now we're starting to see that they're uh, they're closing warehouses. There's been reports of them closing between five and 10 warehouses. Uh, I've heard they're closing delivery stations and, and figuring all that out. Um, one of the funny topics is a lot of folks started contacting me and realized, said things like, hey, did you know you're mentioned in this Amazon article? I was like, what? Um, what turns out they have this technology they've developed called the Supply Chain Optimization Technologies, uh, abbreviated SCOT. 
which happens to be my name. <laughs> and for, for new listeners, that's actually the correct way to spell Scott, is it not? It is. Yeah. It was the sixties and my dad thought it would be fun to have a unique name. And it, it's, uh, he was right. It's made me infinitely Googleable. So, uh, I have a lot of, uh, very easy to find on the Googles. Um, I'm very envious of my friend, Michael Jones, who is impossible to find on Google. Um, so, so no anonymity for me. Um, but anyway, um, you know, what's interesting is, uh, and I want to read this little excerpt from a Wall Street Journal article I thought was interesting. You and I both know at Amazon, because they have this engineering culture, they try to take people out of most decision-making process. Sometimes they call it hands off the wheel. So they have all these AIs. Um, like one time we had a guest on that told us how, um, you know, frequently a vendor will be negotiating with an Amazon buyer through a chat, and it's a bot on the other side of the, the chat, not a human so they have this technology called Scott, and um, what it does is it makes three different projections for basically the orders for looking out into the future. It does a high, medium, and low. And during the pandemic, the the high wasn't high enough, so they were kind of taking the high and adding you know some percentage to it and building out the fulfillment infrastructure and everything based on what this AI did. Well, because the AI had never seen a pandemic and it obviously it couldn't keep up with the upside of the pandemic's demand curve, it didn't see the downside of the demand curve coming either. And then I think the humans, you know, when you've, when you've, you're probably what, like six to eight quarters into adding 10% to what this thing does and, and, and nailing it, um, you know, they also didn't anticipate this and the bottom fell out. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, they just kind of kept taking the Scott forecast, adding 10 to 20%. And then suddenly they found themselves kind of with their skis out over a cliff. Um, so it's really interesting that, that kind of in a way that the, you know, an AI gone wrong uh, kind of caused some of the problems here. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, it, like the synopsis here is that uh, Scott is the biggest uh, uh, money sink at Amazon. It's true. Yep. I like to think uh, because they listen to the podcast, they named it in honor of me. And somewhere in there is a robot named Jason, I'm sure. Because you are their nemesis, yeah. Yeah, or Retail Geek. It's hard to do an acronym for Retail Geek, but I'm sure someone there is is working on it. Um, also, you know, as uh, listeners know, there's a new CEO, Andy Jassy, and um, there have been a lot of high-profile departures. And it's not clear if he's cleaning house or, um, you know, these, these issues, the stock's down. Um, a lot of the compensation at Amazon is from stock-based compensation. Um, and then, you know, someone has to be accountable for these problems. So they had, there was kind of this domino effect. So there was, uh, right when Jassy took over, there was two other people that were heir apparents, Bell and Wilkie, and they left. Um, and then just recently, this year, uh, a 23-year-old veteran named Dave Clark left, and he ran the whole consumer business. Um, interestingly, he went to a company that's been in the news a lot called Flexport. Their CEO uh, has been on CNBC and the All In podcast talking about how to fix the supply chain problems. So, so, so that's that's interesting that that he was able to the CEO of Flexport was able to lure away a 23 year old Amazon vet. Um, so there was some sour apples on the way out. Dave Clark told someone that Jassy's just a terrible micromanager and, and, you know, he'd been there 23 years and shouldn't have to be micromanaged and that kind of thing. Um, and then they announced that, um, this, the guy that ran North American consumer who previously had reported to Dave Clark, his name's Doug Harrington. He was moving up into that role. 
Well, that caused a further chain reaction for those people that didn't get the Dave Clark opening. One of those was Alicia Bowler Davis. Um, she was the SVP of Global Consumer Fulfillment, and she went to this online pharmacy called Alto Pharmacy. And then Dave Bozeman, he went to he was the VP of Amazon Transportation Services, kind of the middle mile. So she was, if I understand, she was last mile and he was middle mile. Um, so they both left. So that's interesting that the fulfillment center they've been building out and two of the key executives for the last five years or so um, left. Um, those, you know, not clear if that was because of this build out and, and you know, someone had to be accountable or if they got picked away or, or what's going on there. Um, so, so a lot of changes at Amazon at the upper echelons and, you know, some chaos here as they, they readjust for the new post COVID normal. Yeah. And it, I mean, it almost feels like there's a little bit of a perfect storm of reasons for that senior leadership to start to churn, right? Which historically they, they've had very little churn, by the way, like through most of their history. Um, but you know, the, the founder departs, uh, as you point out, there's a ton of, um, uh, the overwhelming majority of compensation is is uh, stock equity, and as that becomes less valuable, like those jobs are are less sticky, um, you know. And there's just the rates of growth at Amazon are are naturally slowing down, and it's you know for a lot of people that you know are used to being the rock star that's you know constantly doubling your business and growing really fast, it's not as much fun to to manage through downturns and, and, you know, at best slower rates of growth. Yeah. And then um, you noticed some changes coming in the grocery side. Yeah. So grocery ends up being kind of a really interesting part of this whole Amazon churn. So the first thing to know is the new head of consumer that did win Doug Harrington um, had previously uh, started Amazon fresh at Amazon. So, so, he is a grocery guy and his pre Amazon experience is with Webvan, which is sort of the original digital grocer. Um, so, so he is a pure digital, uh, grocery guy. Obviously he's, he's had broad more recently. He's had broader roles at, at Amazon, um, than, than just grocery. But, you know, one would assume that Amazon fresh is near and dear to his heart. That's the only brick and mortar concept that's still, uh, sort of in play and growing at, at Amazon. So that's kind of interesting. And historically there's been kind of a tension between Amazon fresh, which is the grocery business Amazon built organically and whole foods, the grocery business that Amazon bought. Right. And there have been times when they seem like they were smashing them together. And then there are times when they're pulling them apart. And at the moment they're opening a chain of Amazon fresh doors that compete with whole food you would assume Whole Foods is kind of um, upmarket, expensive grocery, and Amazon Fresh is meant to be low market. But like when it launched, Amazon Fresh was a little more mid priced than we expected, and Whole Foods is kind of moving down price a little bit more than you might expect. So it's all it's all been interesting. They fight a lot over over revenue recognition for online grocery orders, and it's I would argue it's a confusing customer experience right now because you can order a different assortment of items with different prices and different service levels from Amazon fresh and from whole foods. Um, so it'll be interesting. Does Amazon fresh win because that's Doug Harrington's baby or, you know, does he at least put more, more, uh, stock in solving that problem? Uh, you know, I would argue digital grocery is the biggest white space in the kind of digital retail thing. And so it, it's not bad for Amazon that they have a, a senior leader that understands that space. So it's, that's going to be interesting. 
Um, and then on the Whole Foods side, the, you know, the founder of Whole Foods has remained in place as the CEO, which is kind of surprising given that when, when was the acquisition? 2017. So five yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so five years sounds like a suspicious number for an earnout, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, he, he stuck, he was the founder. He stuck with the company for a long time. Like culturally, he's, kind of different than Amazonian. So one, one might not have expected him to last that long, but now uh, there's a new CEO, which is a longtime lieutenant of his, Jason Bouchanel, uh, Bouchel rather. Um, and uh, whether this is the first initiative from Jason or it's a coincidence, like Whole Foods has kind of announced that they are pivoting their pricing strategy and really focusing on... Uh, improving their value prop and reducing their prices. And obviously there's a lot of economic headwinds and there's kind of a, uh, you know, a big, big segment of consumers that are, are concerned about the economy. So superficially you go, Oh yeah, it's obvious that Whole Foods would want to get cheaper. But I would actually argue that we've really seen, uh, and shout out to our friend Stephen Dennis. We've really seen like this very overt bifurcation of the consumer. And there, there's a bunch of consumers that like do not appear to be changing their shopping behavior based on inflation and, uh, economic concerns. And then there's a bunch of value oriented consumers that are very overtly changing their shopping behaviors. And you would, you know, a lot of luxury brands are actually raising their prices right now and doing quite well. And so you'd almost expect to see. Whole Foods lean into that affluent consumer and Amazon Fresh, uh, you know, try to try to target that that value oriented consumer. But it appears they both have decided to go after value. Yeah, it's super confusing as a consumer to figure out. And some sometimes what I want, you know, I want four things and it'll split the cart between the Whole Foods and the Prime and like. Yeah, then then it's a hot mess at that point. Yeah, I can't get my weekly shop from either one. Like I like yeah, some some too. of the items in my weekly shop are not available from Whole Foods, and some are not available from Amazon Fresh. It's annoying. And then yeah. to add further customer confusion, uh, so Amazon Fresh is Amazon's grocery store concept. What you might have thought that there'd be a bunch of benefits to being a Prime member and shopping in Amazon Fresh. But you'd be wrong. Until recently, like there, there were no special prime benefits for Amazon Fresh shoppers. And so they, they just launched last week a new program, which is kind of a, it's, I would almost call it like a traditional retail grocery affinity program. You basically get 20% off on a lot of, um, on an undisclosed random list of thousands of items, what they call everyday essentials. If you're a prime member shopping in Amazon Fresh. So this is, you know, I mentioned that Amazon Fresh didn't come out at quite as good a value as I was expecting. Well, this is the big move to maybe make them, you know, compete more directly with with Aldi and Walmart. Cool. Another thing I wanted to pick your brain on is a couple of folks have tagged us on social media because they have seen the Prime Pay badging and and new payment mechanism out in the wild. Have you had a chance to play with that? I have. Um, and I, I confess I'm... I'm a little more perplexed than I was when it first launched. So maybe like the 30 second recap, um, you know, Amazon announced this new beta, uh, pilot, uh, called, uh, Prime Pay. And it's essentially letting third party sellers that are not selling on Amazon, um, accept Amazon Pay, um, and offer prime benefits and have your orders fulfilled from fulfillment by Amazon uh, 
like if they're prime members, right? So if you're a Shopify merchant and you're selling cat litter, um, you know, you can have a bat, you know, and, and someone's a prime member and they're on your Shopify site, you can say, Hey, check out with your Amazon pay and, and, uh, you know, get your goods in one day or even same day. Uh, if our cat litter is in the Amazon fulfillment network. Um, and that's, that was when they announced this beta and they didn't provide a lot of the details. Uh, everyone, uh, you know, my first reaction was that's a shot directly across the bow of Shopify, um, who had been making a lot of traction with shop pay and was making a lot of noise, if not traction with their fulfillment systems. And now, you know, Amazon swooped in and said, Hey, don't screw around with these, uh, you know, barely scaled, uh, fulfillment things. Just put all your goods in Amazon's fulfillment. And when you sell it from Shopify, we'll ship the order. Or when you sell it on Amazon, we'll ship the order. And we'll give you access to the the biggest best best digital wallet in uh, in the U.S. market, which is Amazon Pay, right? And I thought that was super interesting. And I was frankly really curious if Shopify was even going to allow its merchants to use it, which it would have been way off brand for Shopify to not allow that. But you have to imagine they didn't want to allow it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. now fast forward a few months and we've seen the first betas in the live in uh, in live in the world and they are all Shopify merchants. So first question answered, at least for now, Shopify is allowing its merchants to use Prime Pay. Um, but there's a huge nuance in Prime Pay that uh, I kind of missed when the beta was first announced, but now it's glaring at me. Um, Prime Pay will only fulfill your goods if you're already a Prime member. So okay. w- when they first thought this, I thought, oh my gosh, they just captured the whole 3PL market and no other 3PL is going to have any room because you're not going to be able to compete with the service level of Amazon and the convenience of the aggregated inventory and then the bonus of of the Amazon digital wallet on top of all that. That it was just going to be too compelling a value prop. And so everybody, every small seller in the world is just going to rely on Amazon for all those services, game over. But there's about 100 million prime members and there's about 240 million households in the U.S. So there's still an awful lot of households that do not have prime. And if you're a Shopify merchant and you want to sell something to any of those households that don't have prime, you you can offer prime pay for the prime members, but you have to have an alternative 3PL to fulfill for the non-prime members. So they really haven't put any of the other 3PLs out of business at all. They've just stolen some of their volume. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. More, more complexity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, but it, uh, yeah. Shout out, uh, to our friend Joe at marketplace pulse. They always have great content. And, uh, uh, he was the first one that made me aware of some of these, uh, uh, betas in the wild. And he found, uh, the catladies.com and I'm not going to ask how he, he, he he discovered that, but, but uh, uh, Joe, I'm a fan, and props to you. You're a fan of Joe or the Cat Ladies, or both? Uh, now both. Originally Joe, but now okay. I, my my love has expanded to the Cat Ladies. Do they really sell kitty litter? Seems like uh, I believe they do, or at least like artificial grass. Yeah, that's definitely in the crap category. Hey, yeah. hey, boom, boom, boom. Um, another thing that Amazon announced that I know you're excited for because you're actually moving. So this is a great time to buy some cabling and some new mesh networky things. They announced Prime Day this year. It's going to be July 12th and 13th. 
And then they promptly have started pushing the deals out like right now. <laughs> you know, like just today and yesterday, I, I've been getting flooded with emails that say they have a new brand for it and they call it uh, early Amazon Prime Day deal exclusives. So it feels feels a little desperate, uh, to be honest with you, that you know they set up this big shopping holiday and now they're kind of pushing the deals out way before then. I don't know if they're trying to juice Q2 or if they're, you know, one school of thought is, is if we're going into this recessionary period, the more dollars you can grab out of that shrinking wallet um, due to inflation as well, get them sooner versus later. So maybe they had set this up before things, the macro deteriorated. And now they're kind of like, wow, I wish we had set this earlier. Let's go ahead and get some deals out. I may be reading too much into that, but I don't ever remember them kind of, they've always had, you know, black, black Friday and January or, uh, you know, early October kind of things, holiday deals in, in early, but I've never seen them push prime day as hard and early as they are now. Yeah. I mean, they always have had some pre prime day deals. Like it's not completely unheard of, but I, I agree with you. The volume seems significantly higher. Um, and it's, it's funny that we still call it prime day, right? Cause for a long time it's over, it went from like prime day to prime 18 hours to prime two days. And now it's starting to feel like prime month. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, is interesting. I, I don't know if this comes into play. Um, there are some consumer surveys out there that show less interest in prime day than years past. Right. And you're comping against a tough prime day, um, in a very different economic, uh, environment. Um, and so, like, it's possible that there's some concern, like Amazon's rate of growth has slowed and everything else. It's pros- possible that there's some concern that, um, that you know, Prime Day won't uh, have the, like, it's for sure going to have a spike, but that it won't have the same spike it has in, in years past. Um, and, you know, so they're, they're trying to, you know, find ways to goose it more, I you know. I don't know. I, I do think one of the interesting dynamics, there's kind of like two opposite forces that happen on Prime Day. Like secretly, the stuff that sells best on Prime Day are Amazon products. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but the penetration on those Amazon products, you know, continues to be higher. So that that like the law, the the law of large numbers just means like, you know, not you can't sell a smart speaker to as many people as you used to be able to because everyone has a heck of a lot of smart speakers. Right. And they're they're frankly getting so cheap that it's not as big a win when they do sell one. Um, and so then the other half is this long tail and they're like, one of the problems, there's so many sellers on Amazon. There's so many lightning deals that like the, the signal to noise ratio and the, the awareness of some particular good deal and the scarcity of a deal, like all of those things that you would normally do that a normal, you know, brick and mortar retailer with, you know, a constrained inventory, would do for a sale, like they just don't work as well uh, for this marketplace model. And so I, I do think it's, it's tricky to keep the hype. And, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, prime day was modeled af- after singles day. We've definitely seen singles day lose some momentum, still a big deal. Um, but rate of growth slowing significantly and, and reason to believe that we'll see that at prime day too. All that being said, uh, the way to think about prime day is it's, it's two days of sales in one day, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, and then I thought this was interesting uh, that Amazon announced that they're going to use some of that data that they've been collecting in their stores that don't have a checkout with the just walkout technology. 
Um, and they're going to be selling some of that data to brands so they can basically say to a brand, Hey, eight, 800 consumers walked by your product three, picked it up and put it back on the shelf. And, um, you know, uh, of those three, they read the ingredients and then they put it back on the shelf and, you know, and then presumably there's some actionability to that data. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, way before there was just walkout technology, like we were starting to get some some very early technology to give us some insight about how consumers behaved in stores, right? So you were starting to get some like smarter people measuring things that could do heat mapping and and you know, we were getting these like Kluji eye tracking technologies that we'd put on on a small subset of customers to kind of understand how they browse through a store. Cause you know, frankly, for the last hundred years of shopper marketing, we mostly have been based on these like urban legends about how shoppers shop um, and not having a lot of data. And then e-commerce comes along and suddenly you've got super granular data about how people pick products and what they glanced at and didn't buy and what they added to their cart and didn't check out and what they, you know, added to their cart and then took out of their cart. Like all, all of this pre-buying behavior that we get in e-commerce, we've never really had in the store um, and, you know, the technologies and the methodologies, these match panel tests, all these different stu uh, studies we used to do um, were really sort of kludgy. And so a lot of us have said, hey, one of the secret benefits of just walk out technology is that by accident, it collects all of this really valuable consumer data about how people behave before they get to the cash register or before they consummate their purchase, since there, I guess there is no cash register. Um, and. You know, we've talked about that being a useful advantage for Amazon and that they're probably using it to um, sort of inform how they design these these new store concepts. Uh, and so now, like so many other things that Amazon does, they take this this like, you know, competitive advantage that they have um, and they turn it into a product and sell it to other people. So now they're selling those those shopper insights to CPGs. And, you know, if you're a CPG trying to figure out how people decide to pick your cat litter versus someone else's cat litter uh, on the cat litter shelf in a, in a retail store, um, you know, Kroger won't tell you a lot about how they make that decision because Kroger doesn't know. But now you could get real data from Amazon about how they make that decision in Amazon. And you could probably assume that there's a similar uh, path to purchase at Kroger. So suddenly, like, Amazon becomes the the market research uh, firm for all of the shopper marketing. So I, I do think that's super interesting. Um, they're not alone. Walmart actually has a store that's heavily instrumented like this, that they launched first. That's called the, um, the intelligent retail lab store that, you know, it's kind of a, it doesn't have just walkout technology, but it has thousands of cameras and sensors and they sell data from that store through their data licensing arm, which is called the luminate if I'm remembering right. And then, uh, you know, Amazon launched a new product nine days ago on the 21st that I'm really excited about that's called um, Amazon Marketing Stream. And Amazon Marketing Stream is uh, a much higher volume, more granular API-based um, access to all of the marketplace shopping data. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, data on traditional Amazon shopping um, that, like, previously was locked up or you could only get for your own brand or you could, you know, you can only get in uh, Amazon premium services. Um, now it gets plugged into PackView and all of these, all these digital media tools. So you get all this real time visibility to how people are making purchase decisions. 
And then at the same time, they're rolling out this, that same kind of data for how people are making purchase decisions in a brick and mortar store. So super long answer. Uh, but I think this is kind of a big deal. And I do think this is the future is kind of replacing, um, like urban legends and opinions about how consumers behave with actual data about how they really are behaving. Yeah. Do you, do you think this stuff is kind of standalone or they're going to build, this is going to be kind of feeding into this ad network because they seem to be really putting a lot of effort into accelerating yeah, I do, that. So ad I, I think there's only so much. So many brands that are, so I'll tell you who's not in a position to buy that data is all the digitally native startups that then cut a deal to get, you know, distribution through Target, right? Yeah. Like it's the big CPG brands that can afford to like have budgets to buy that data. Um, and then, you know, they have so much like institutional uh, impediments that then, you know, they all talk about how much smarter they are with that data, but it's really hard for them to act on that data and do anything different than they historically have. Um and so I, I think the best way to make that da data actionable is, you know, to to filter that data into like new audiences and new ad formats for retail media networks. Right. So, like, I, I think there's a natural uh, fit between those those two products. Um, so I, I'm sure we'll see more integrations in that. But I, I do think for really smart marketers and and particularly folks that are involved in in customer experience design, the the raw data is is super useful and and you know gives gives brands a competitive advantage that are able to get it and take action on it. Got it. Um, cool. Did you? So that's where we are on Amazon. Any non Amazon news? Yeah, just a, a couple of things to keep our, our show in uh, its, uh, its tidy uh, time box format. Um, we, we talked a lot about executive changes. So in my mind, there are two other huge executive changes uh, in our industry this week. Um, there's a guy that we've talked about on the show several times, Bill Reddy, who's the uh, an ex-PayPal guy, an ex-PayPal mafia guy um, that uh, uh, led commerce for the last couple of years at Google and he just announced that he's leaving Google to become the new CEO at Pinterest. So the 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 founder is stepping out of the CEO role at Pinterest, and they're bringing over Bill Reddy. And to be honest, that has the pundits whipped up into a lather because everyone's like, oh, man, Bill Reddy's a commerce guy. He was PayPal. He was head of commerce at Google. And now the fact that, that Pinterest is bringing a, you know, a dedicated commerce guy in to lead the company, it's the most overt sign yet that you know Pinterest thinks its future is commerce yeah um, which i think is driven by the idfa stuff don't you yeah yeah again harder to make a living on ads when you can't uh show the the efficacy of the ads quite as well and you can't target the ads quite as well and so it becomes much more appealing to say uh you know let's let's monetize our audience by selling stuff to our audience directly um and also that you know gives you that first party data that then you know keeps you uh, well immersed in the in the advertising business. So I think for any of these free high traffic social media sites, it's a it's a perfectly reasonable hypothesis to explore to say, hey, we got to figure out how to uh, play really well at commerce and make commerce part of our core offering. And certainly, you know, Pinterest is doing that. They've talked forever about how how much higher buying intent that their users have than other other social networks. Uh, TikTok is leaning heavily into it. Snap is leaning heavily into it. It's a perfectly reasonable hypothesis. The one unfortunate truth is nobody's been particularly successful at it yet. And as, 
have they not been successful because they just haven't gotten the execution right? Or is it because the consumer doesn't really want that? Like, I, I honestly think that's an open question. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that commerce can save all these social media networks. I mean, it's, it's worth trying. Um, but I, I think the jury is going to be out. And I will say the, the sort of part of this, the bill ready transition that's not talked about that I'm frankly more interested in is to me, one of the companies that is best positioned to win at commerce and is underperforming at commerce the most is the company bill ready is leaving. It's Google. Um, and you know, bluntly, like I don't think Google's made a ton of commerce progress over the over the the last two years that Bill Reddy's been there. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like, will Google replace him? Will they replace him with a Google Insider? Will they replace him with another commerce person? Will that person have um, some new ideas? Like, you know, will they be able to find a way to kind of marshal some of the the inherent assets Google has? and be better at commerce. Like I'd, I'd love to see Google lean into in-store commerce more and uh, uh, help solve uh, search and, you know, all, all of these retail media network um, opportunities for brick and mortar retailers. Like, I feel like there's a lot of untapped um, opportunity there that I, I've been surprised to see Google not succeed at. And so it'll be, you know, like, is this a new chance for Google to start anew? Yeah. And then, you know, it's also interesting. So if you're Pinterest board and you're like, we need an e-commerce guru, the PayPal mafia thing is is good, but that was quite a while ago and Google hasn't done a ton. So I would be hiring some of these Amazon execs, you know, and, and uh, it would be interesting to see what if, you know, because there's so many floating around, what if some of them, one of them ended up at Google, that would be, that would be kind of really interesting to see. If yeah. Amazon, Amazonian. Especially when it's like, yeah, if Flexport can get a, Super senior yeah. S team member. <laughs> yeah. Why can't Google? Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, to watch someone that maybe had a chip on their shoulder that said, Hey, I didn't get a promotion. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, use all these assets that Google has and bring them to bear. I, I think the reason why is when these people interview at these bigger companies, be it a meta, a Google or, or whatnot, you'd know, there's not board, you know, C level and board level focus on it, you know, the, you know, one if you're at Google, the sacred cow is the ad thing. And if you if you say something like, you know, what I want to divert twenty percent of traffic to this new thing, then you know you're not going to be able to do that. So so startups are probably more attractive because they have more flexibility and they're not stuck kind of in that innovators dilemma like some of the other systems are. Yeah, it is hard to find water to water the acorns when you have a forest of mighty oaks. True. Um. Uh, yeah, think about that. That'll be my deep thought for today. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that one is, is super interesting. I'm, I'm going to continue, uh, to follow that closely. One side note, like Pinterest has previously hired a bunch of other, um, I'll call them like commerce stars. And like one that stands out to me is like the chief technology officer from Walmart, like moved to Pinterest, um, Jeremy King. And so, I mean, there's, you know, this is not the first, like indication that that commerce is an important initiative for Pinterest. So we'll we'll see how Bill does there. I hope he does well. Um, so one other transition that uh, I'm getting a lot of calls about these last couple of days is uh, Bed Bath and Beyond uh, just had their quarterly their Q2 earnings report and it was atrocious. Um, so their same store sales were down like twenty for twenty five percent. Their e commerce was down like twenty three percent. 
Um, and, you know, folks may remember like a year or two ago, they forced out the um, one of the founders, the CEO, and they brought in a turnaround CEO, uh, this guy, Mark Triton. And I talk a lot about Mark Triton. He he was like very credibly one of the architects of Target's exclusive brand um, strategies. And so he was the chief merchant that helped launch a bunch of products at Target that were wildly successful. Um, and he, he left Target to become the, the CEO of this struggling retailer, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Uh, shortly after they hired Mark Triton, um, they got a new activist board member, uh, Ryan Cohen, who, who bought a big chunk of, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Uh, Ryan was one of the founders of, uh, Chewy and made a bunch of his money there. Um, he, he was, uh, like a principal shareholder and on the board at GameStop during all the, the craziness, um, with Robinhood and GameStop and all that stuff. Um, and so like Ryan kind of inherited Mark as his turnaround CEO and, uh, simultaneous with this like very disappointing Q2 earnings, uh, they announced that Mark would be leaving and they appointed an interim CEO who's uh, Sue Gove, who's a, a, a already a board member at Bed Bath & Beyond and former CEO from like Goffsmith and, and several other uh, retailers. Um, so what what I have found interesting about all this, uh, it's a really difficult situation. Bed Bath & Beyond's in a, in a tough situation. Um and they, you know, certainly aren't performing very well. Um, and they have a lot of cooks there at the moment with, with conflicting ideas about where to go. Um, but I have seen a lot of pundits kind of like dancing on Mark Triton's grave and talking about what a horrible hire this was and how stupid it was for Bed Bath and Beyond to go after this, this, uh, exclusive brand strategy that Mark was trying to execute and how like, Oh, obviously this was doomed from the beginning and anyone could have seen this wasn't going to work. Um, and kind of writing him off. And, uh, personally, I feel like that's a little unfair. Like I, I, Mark certainly turned out not to be the right CEO for the circumstances that bed, bath and beyond was in. Um, but I actually think that that, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond needs to invent a reason for people to go there. And spoiler alert, it's not the 20% off uh, uh, coupon anymore. Um, mm. It's not the treasure hunt anymore. Um, uh, you, like, you're not going to win on assortment as a big box, like, against Amazon, right? And so one of the, the smart ways to win against Amazon is to sell stuff that people want that Amazon doesn't have. And if you can invent desirable products... That's a smart strategy. And every big retailer in America is trying to execute that strategy. And Mark, like, frankly, has been better than most at executing that strategy. I think that strategy kind of sucks when um, you're hemorrhaging your customer base. People don't have a reason to come to your store. And then you execute the first wave of your private label products and they all get trapped on uh, boats off the coast of Long Beach and never make it to the store. Right. Um and so I don't know if in a different era, if, if Mark's strategy would have worked at Bed Bath & Beyond, I don't think it was an unsound strategy. Um, you know, it just like you probably needed a CEO who's a lot more focused on being good at supply chain and cost cutting and was willing to make some hard decisions about curating the store assortment and stuff like that to kind of cut costs before you got around to launching these products and, you know, horrific timing that you tried to launch all these products like, you know, as a during a huge supply chain disruption. So, um, 
I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it was a, a doom strategy? I don't think the, the externalities are hard to pick out. You know, so you, you go from a supply chain crisis into a inflation, you know, stagnation spiral. <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's a really rough, rough, uh, rough hand that he was dealt for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I, I do think there are a bunch of other retailers that really aspire to launch more products. So I have a feeling um, that you'll see Mark land some po- somewhere pretty soon. Cause I think he has a skill set that, that uh, will be in demand. And then um, it does not appear they're, they're calling Sue an interim CEO. I don't think anyone thinks she's the, the future of bed, bath and beyond. So I think they're, they are uh, out there doing a, a CEO search. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of person would, you know, will step up to that challenge right now. While you were talking about it, kind of the crazy idea popped in my head. You know, these um, these Amazon FBA acquisition vehicles have all seemed to hit the skids pretty hard, Thrashio and whatnot. Um, you know, there's a, there's a path where maybe they buy one of those. If you wanted to, like, parachute in 500 private label brands to try in a store, that, that's one acquisition path that you could take that would be kind of interesting. I don't know if, you know, that makes any sense for the categories or whatnot, but that would be an interesting way to, to solve that problem with an acquisition. Yeah, no, I, I do think there's something there. And I think just the, uh, you know, I'm not sure you want to hire a traditional product centric merchant uh, driven CEO, you know, for a, a traditional product centric company, you know, that's kind of losing its way, right? Like you, you probably need some complementary skills that add something new to the mix um, and you're right, like there's kind of a big remix going on in the world right now. There's a bunch of digital talent from, you know, the Amazons and Googles of the world that's spinning off. There's a bunch of digital talent from all these um, uh, kind of startup ecosystems that, you know, were, were playing in the Amazon ecosystem and now are less appealing. And, and the, the, you know, FBA rollups are a perfect example of all those. Um, you know, I think a bunch of those guys, you know, and, and women will probably find their next career opportunities, taking what they know and taking it to a different kind of business than kind of just recreating what they've been doing. Yeah, totally it's, agree. It's like we will see an e-commerce guy solving car wash for the world or something. Crazy, crazy talk. You do cat litter. I'll do car washes. Uh, that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> and that sounds like a great place to leave it because it's happened again. We've used up all our allotted time. Uh, but as I always, if, uh, you found this show helpful or it was entertaining to scream at how wrong we were uh, in into your, your podcasting client, um, then you could reward us for that entertainment by jumping on iTunes and leaving us that five-star review. Thanks, everybody. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 